Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Tuesday, July 9th of 2019. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. Another great podcast lined up and ready to go for you. We'll dive into Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll start off talking about crop conditions. Things are actually looking really good across the state, given the year we've had with all the weather troubles. But overall, crop conditions looking really good. Now, it is getting dry out there. But that, of course, means we're well into July. It's a hot time of year and getting close to corn harvest. Rice is heading in Louisiana, so we'll check in with LSU Ag Center Rice Specialist Dustin Harrell for his take on the current condition of the Louisiana rice crop. A couple of weeks ago, we caught up with Craig Brown, Vice President of Producer Affairs for the National Cotton Council. Of course, Craig is a Louisiana native. Always great to see him back home. He was at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago, and we asked him about several cotton issues. Don Molino was involved in a National Cotton Council program recently in Memphis, and he caught up with two Louisiana cotton growers while he was up there. He'll have that report for you. On grassroots government, we visit with Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. He'll bring us up to date on several issues going on in Washington, D.C. Then we'll go in the field to check in with Point Capi Parish and West Baton Rouge Parish farmer Ray Schneider. Ray will give us all the updates on his current corn and soybean crops. We'll check on the markets with Grayson Close of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Then we'll wrap up our podcast with Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. All of that coming up and more on Episode 34 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And before we get started, one request for you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, number one, thank you. I really appreciate it. Number two, be sure that you're subscribed to whatever service it is that you listen on. We're a lot of places. Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on TuneIn, we're on Stitcher, we're on Blueberry, we're on SoundCloud, and of course you can stream it on our website. Wherever you hear it, please subscribe and don't miss an episode. Number two, if you like what you hear Leave us a review. We've been doing this podcast now for over a year, and to be quite honest with you, I've only gotten one review. It was really good, but only one. But I'd like to hear from you. And of course, if you leave us a good review, that helps other people to find our podcast and introduces us to new listeners. So I'd really appreciate your help. Uh, If you like the podcast, leave us a good review uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you subscribe. Well, enough of that. Let's get on with episode 34 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We kick it all off right now.
Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Farm News headlines, Louisiana crops are looking good as we move through the month of July and start to get ready for the Louisiana corn harvest. According to the Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report released on Monday, we have 1% of the corn crop now mature, 41% in the dense stage, 80% in the dough stage. That is right about where we should be for this time of year, according to the five-year averages. Now, the condition of the corn crop, not too bad. 2% rated excellent, 50% good, 39% fair, and 9% rated poor. Looking at a few other crops, soybeans looking even better. 10% of this bean crop now in the excellent category, 52% good. 35% fair, and 3% rated poor. Sugarcane conditions, just about the same as soybeans. 10% excellent, 57% good, 27% fair, and 5% rated poor. And cotton conditions shape up like this. 6% excellent, 58% good, 34% fair, and 2% poor. Now the cotton crop looking pretty good, but we are behind when you take a look at The crop progress ratings, we're looking at 24% of the cotton now setting bowls. The five-year average is 43%. 78% of the cotton now squaring. The five-year average is 87%. So we are a bit behind, but the condition ratings are looking very good. And let's take a quick look at rice. Right now we're looking at 8% of the rice crop rated excellent, 59% good, 27% fair, and 6% rated poor. Rice is heading in Louisiana. In fact, 58% of the rice crop reported now headed. LSU Ag Center rice specialist Dustin Harrell. In a lot of cases, it's heading uh, is uneven. We may have some plants that are heading now, but then you have a couple plants that are two weeks behind it, uh, just right next to it. And that's because of the delayed emergence uh, earlier in the year. So that's going to cause some problems for us, especially when it comes to harvest, because now we're going to be harvesting some overripe grain with the younger grain, and this this can ding us up a little bit uh, on the milling quality. Uh, The other thing that we have to watch uh, is disease pressure. So far, disease pressure has been mild. Uh, We've seen a little sheath blight and blast, but not at a high amount. But looking at the forecast here in a couple days, we're gonna go through a two-week period with 40 to 50% chance of rain every day, and that's never good for uh, critical times when blast or uh, diseases can develop. LSU Ag Center Rice Specialist Dustin Harrell. A cotton sustainability program for Louisiana is now in its third year. Don Molino has more on the Louisiana NRCS Cotton Sustainability Pilot Project. Rachel Lee, who lives in Winsboro, is a soil health research and implementation manager for the program, a joint effort of the NRCS, Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association, Louisiana Farm Bureau, LSU Ag Center, Cotton Incorporated, and the Cotton Foundation. This is basically for us as an industry to be able to show that U.S. cotton producers are sustainable, that we are on a continuous sustainability journey, and that we are responsible producers because we care about the environment, we care about the land, um, we care about our crops as well as our families and our communities and we want to be able to prove that to brands and retailers because they are beginning to question our U.S. cotton production and 
our methods and our practices of producing that crop. And we've got close to 57 cotton producers around the state. I would consider that a success um, just because it's, it's brand new and uh, these farmers are are taking a chance and, and they're being innovators in their community by participating and so any more participation we can get is always welcome. Uh, this is voluntary, it's not required. So, so yeah, I would consider that a success that we do have such a large group um, from a variety of, of different parishes around the state. We will enter that information into the field print calculator with Field to Market. This is a website that farmers have access to. Uh, they can log in and look at that information and when we sit down to collect that information what we'll ask for is their yield, their crop protectant trips, fertilizer rates, irrigation water management. What we do with this information is, is we take it as an aggregated data and we show this to brands and retailers so that we can prove cotton sustainability and show that our farmers are good stewards of the land and that we are on a continuous path of sustainability. Rachel Lee from Winsboro, Soil Health Research and Implement Manager for the NRCS and Louisiana Cotton Sustainability Pilot Project. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. For more than 50 years, farmers and ranchers in northwest Louisiana have gotten farm news and information from Jack Dillard. Avery Davidson has the story. The sound of letters impacting the page mark a weekly ritual for Jack Dillard, a ritual this Oklahoma native has maintained since 1959. That was the year he stopped working as a county extension agent in Longview, Texas, and extended his message to the airwaves of KWKH Radio in Shreveport, Louisiana. The boy that was there doing the farm news decided he wanted to go into picture radio, that's television, and... uh, He did, and they offered me the job. Never been on the radio a day in my life. My college degree was in animal husbandry. The owners of KWKH also own the Shreveport Times. They asked Dillard to write a weekly newspaper column. We are agriculture. I was in agriculture and got in radio. I was in an agriculture and got in the newspaper. But my basis is still agriculture. That basis made Dillard a pioneer in farm broadcasting. As Carrie Martin with the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network pointed out to Dillard, the book chronicling the first 60 years of farm broadcasting has an interesting entry in the Louisiana chapter. Look at this. KWK Shreveport. Huh. Jack Dillard. Didn't even know it was in there. Good gracious. Dillard says back then he was doing seven programs a day, five days a week, and four on Saturday. Early to bed, early to rise, work real hard and fertilize, and no troubles whatsoever. From his home in Wascom, Texas, Dillard still does radio reports. All of the commercials are done live. Dillard says he never tries to sell products. He sells people. When you look at the microphone that I broadcast on, that's another person out there I'm visiting with that day. My programs are ad-lib. That doesn't mean that's the best way. In fact, I don't fit very well in this modern way of everything graphicked out ahead of time. But you're visiting. Also, I'm promoting agriculture and the people of agriculture. 
trust. That's what agriculture has, honesty. That's what agriculture has, integrity. That's what agriculture has. All you've got to do is tell the story, and the story will add the validity to it. Dillard says there's a good reason why people in agriculture have those qualities. It goes back to the good book. And you see the Lord in the sod, the soil, the seed, the plant, and the crop. You see it grow. You can relate to it. And folks can continue to relate to Dillard through his written and spoken words. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Now, as Avery mentioned, you can find Jack Dillard's columns on our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com or voiceoflaag.com. They'll both get you to the same site. There's a tab at the top of the page. It says Jack Dillard. You can click on that, and that will give you all of Jack's columns. Of course, we only have a couple up there now. He just started, but we'll eventually add to those, and we'll have all of them archived for you where you can read them. Also, don't forget, subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. If you go to voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com, there is a button right there in the middle of the home page where you can subscribe to our daily e-news update. Jack's column will be featured every week when he publishes it in the Daily Voice e-newsletter. So if you don't want to miss one of them, just subscribe to the newsletter. That way it'll come to your email each morning at 5 a.m. And once a week, you'll see where Jack's column is prominently displayed there in the newsletter. So subscribe and don't miss one of Jack's columns. And, of course, right here on this podcast, Jack has a segment now. We feature him in our final segment of the podcast. Each time we put one out, it's Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. It'll be coming up a little later on the end of this podcast. And if you heard it last time, I do need to apologize. The phone signal that we had with Jack last time was really bad. I thought I could clean it up afterwards and make it sound better. It didn't really come out all that well, but we've got a good, clean version for you this time. So I apologize for last time, but Jack's coming up at the end, and we've got a great report from him, Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. It has not been a good week for the cotton market so far. Both on Monday and Tuesday, the cotton market took triple-digit losses. There are a lot of factors that are playing into these big drops and big swings in cotton prices. That's according to Craig Brown. He is vice president of producer affairs for the National Cotton Council. And, of course, we always like to point out that Craig is a Louisiana native. He was back in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's 97th Annual Convention in New Orleans. We asked him about how all of these factors are affecting the cotton market, including the Chinese trade situation. Well, I think things are still dicey as far as getting some kind of agreement between the U.S. and China. There's, there's the G8 summit coming up that everybody has some hope that we'll get to see some progress in talks between China and the United States. Uh, but it's a moving target. You know, it's, it's tough negotiations. Um, while we're very concerned about it from an agricultural standpoint, obviously, particularly cotton, uh, that's probably not the overwhelming issue that they have to decide. There's bigger issues such as intellectual properties, enforcement, etc. So uh, we continue to urge settlement. We continue to urge uh, 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 a good resolution to this issue so we can start selling cotton to China who really wants it and who really needs it. And Brown says you can definitely see the effects of this trade situation in the cotton market. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, we've lost probably 15 to maybe more. I haven't checked the market today, but uh, all of which probably can be, well, some of it directed to the weather, but, but really probably lost sales to China. And, and to make it even worse, uh, those sales are being made up by Brazil. And so Brazil's establishing itself in the, in the Chinese market. So once we do get this thing settled, and I'm being optimistic we're going to get this thing settled, then we're going to have to go take back that market from Brazil. Brown says the Market Facilitation Program, or MFP, payments should be some help to cotton producers. MFP is some temporary relief, and uh, I know everyone will be happy to get it. The second round has been announced. Uh, Not all the details. Uh, uh, It will be a different mechanism uh, than in the past, than the the previous one. Uh, The details should start coming out around the middle to the first part of next month. Um, It's going to be a a more simplified program uh, based on a county rate and uh, based on acreage planted in 19, not to exceed... 18. So some obviously all the details aren't available yet. The rates aren't available. Uh, there's there's still a question about what the payment limit will be. There, there's some question about whether uh, there's going to be any application for prevented planting, which is a big concern for all the flooded areas. Um, so there's still a lot of questions to be answered, but, but growers are anxious to get that, that money in their pockets. Uh, the first tranche of that should come, we hope, sometime in, in uh, early August. The 2018 Farm Bill now includes seed cotton, and Brown says cotton producers need to be preparing for Farm Bill sign-up soon. Yeah, the um, uh, the, the sign-up for the new Farm Bill, the, the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, we expect to start sometime in, in mid-September uh, and run probably for, probably, I don't know, 60, 90 days, I'm not sure how long. Uh, Growers will have some decisions to make, not near as many as uh, it, with the 18 crop when we had to make decisions, at least for those with generic base and yield updates. Uh, base, the basic decisions are whether you're going to enroll in the farm program and whether you're going to uh, opt for PLC or ARC. Uh, you will have the option in this new farm bill to, to, to change that decision after the 20 crop. You'll also have a chance to update yields after 20 or during the 20 crop uh, if, if if that fits your operation. Uh, so, But basically the programs are going to be the same as they were for 18, particularly for cotton. We still have seed cotton, a very good program, and uh, growers are starting to understand that program. Uh, we should expect some uh, the announcements on the payment rates for the 18 program uh, under the previous farm bill uh, after sometime after October. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of activity for the FSA offices, and so uh, be nice to your FSA office. <laughs> That's Craig Brown, Vice President of Producer Affairs for the National Cotton Council. Good to see Craig back home in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. Now, speaking of the National Cotton Council, each year they select industry members to help explain and promote the cotton industry. The current class includes two from northeast Louisiana. Don Molino has more in this report. Cotton Jenner Birch Pierce from Jonesville and cotton producer Kellen Lee from St. Joe are two of the 13 U.S. cotton industry members who have been chosen for the National Cotton Council's 2019-2020 Emerging Leaders Program. I caught up with Kellen and Birch to the National Cotton Council office in Memphis. First, here's Birch Pierce. We uh, gin and warehouse operation. We're on the smaller side. We uh, 
tend to average somewhere around 18 to 20,000 bales. Uh, we warehouse it all right there uh, on site. How long does it take to run those 20,000 bales? Uh, that's funny you should ask. We, we ran perfectly uh, up until the end of, uh, I guess the end of November. We had 15 modules that were on the back 40, 80 miles from the gin, and uh, we didn't get those gin until uh, I think it was December the 16th. So we had to keep the labor around and mm -hmm. uh, pay everybody, and it was uh, would have been a, a, a fairly good year if it hadn't been for that. Where do we stand in Louisiana with regard to the uh, number of gins? Uh, in Louisiana, uh, 15 years ago, there were over 70 cotton gins. Mm -hmm. uh, that number is under 20. Um, there, there, uh, been quite a few that have closed over the past seven or eight years, and uh, we've turned a corner. We, we've got uh, more acres uh, this year, or scheduled to have more acres this year than we've had over the past five, and people are going into the gyms that have been closed where the equipment is still there, and they're trying to get those back online because uh, this funny thing, people don't have anywhere to gin their cotton. Uh, they're, they're being turned away by the larger mm -hmm. central plants because they're at capacity, so they're having to go, go find other avenues. There's still enough ginning capacity uh, in Louisiana. We, we could still expand some more. What kind of trends are going on that may affect your business? Uh, the biggest problem, like anyone else in agriculture or any, any business, is uh, labor. Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of our labor uh, are not necessarily immigrant H-2A, but migrant workers, uh, South Texas. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they had the hurricane down there, wiped out the cotton crop, and uh, we thought we were going to have plenty of labor, and we turned around and know all those guys are normally come help us or helping clean up debris and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing carpentry work. So, uh, you know, should have had plenty of labor, and actually it was harder to find than uh, normal. Okay. Obviously, there's a large push within the industry, uh, mainly from cotton mills to, to get gins, away from the traditional steel tie and moved into the plastic strapping of the bales. Uh, the milling uh, industry is citing safety. And of course, there's a big pushback from the gins that says, uh, you know, the ginning industry has not been going that well. Seed, seed prices are down. We're not making any money. We don't have, have the, uh, you know, the resources to, to put in a, a expensive piece of equipment. But uh, I think at the end of the day, the equipment's going to keep getting better. Uh, anyone that wants to stay in business is going to make that change on their own. They don't need uh, one segment telling them that it's mandatory. Sure. So uh, four or five years, mm -hmm. I think, we'll all be using plastic strap. It's okay. just going to take a little time. What are you doing about gin safety? We are a member of the uh, Southern Cotton Ginners Association. They have a wonderful safety program, uh, good safety people. And uh, they, they provide a tremendous amount of resources uh, for us, whether it's uh, drug testing or, uh, you know, videos to, to train employees how to do a job a certain way. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is having meetings in the morning and the evening and just keeping everybody aware. What kind of cotton acreage are you expecting this year? Our, our acres are up uh, this year. Uh, we're, we're really excited about that. Of course, we did have a late late start due to the, the water. So uh, uh, most of the crop has been fertilized. It looks good, and uh, we just need a, a good dry fall. Here's Kellen Lee. Fourth generation on the same land. Um, we're in Tensile Parish. We farm about 5,000 acres and uh, cotton, corn, and beans, mostly cotton. 
and uh, I'm right, right now I'm farming with my dad and my uncle. Just how important is sustainability to your farm? It's very important. I think uh, I think it's something that we've all been very that have acknowledged that it's very important over mm -hmm. time, and uh, now it's just kind of becoming more of a you know a buzz, I guess. But uh, something we've been doing, and uh, and in order for the farm to make it to another generation, it's, I think it's it's necessary. What kind of things are you doing? So sustainability is very broad, but it um, it, it can be financially, and uh, it can be you know environmental. Um, so for example, taking care of your washouts or changing your tillage practices, mm -hmm. uh, anything along those lines is is very good sustainable uh, practices like that. But um, as far as financial financially, I mean everyone's already doing what they can, cutting costs, not over spraying or over applying or anything like that that's a sustainable practice and uh, i think that's one thing that growers are uh, not really registering yet is that they're already being very sustainable you know we're just we're just needing to tell people is your operation no-till uh no sir uh, considered conventional um reducing as we can mm -hmm. uh, doing more of a rehip and uh, instead of a complete disc or a deep tillage, you know, when we can, mm -hmm. uh, we have two or three different soil types, very different soil types where, uh, where I farm and uh, some requires a little bit different touch as well too, but um, mm -hmm. certainly trying to reduce. Different soil types in all the same field? Some are, yes sir, that's right. And, and one farm may be completely lighter ground and one, you know, really heavy, but and everything in between. <laughs> What do you do in terms of precision agriculture? Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you asked. Well, um, there's a field to market program uh, that is actually a way to uh, enter in your practices right. and uh, in your office, and uh, you can change your practices. And uh, you know, from what you're doing, you can enter in any scenario, mm -hmm. and it it will put back these metrics that shows you how big of an impact it may or may not make on your environment for a more sustainable practice. And uh, that doesn't cost you any money. You can, you can find out, you know, and, that's, and, it's, and it's very accurate. So uh, you, can, you can sit in your office and be able to see what changes will, before you even spend the money on it, what changes might actually be worth looking into. And that's a, that's a huge tool. What's looked good to you so far? Uh, tillage. Tillage is the big, gonna be the big, the big one to start with. Water use and uh, mm -hmm. any trip, any less trips, is gonna reduce your energy. You know, so there, there's there's plenty of things that are come into effect, but um, it's gonna be tillage is gonna be the big hitter to start with. Yes, sir. Um, we didn't realize, and I don't think anyone has, how much of what we were overwatering. You know, but um, you know, at times, but uh, that's. That's a money saver and uh, and absolutely better on the environment to use less water. So that we're we're very thankful for that. Is there something you're interested in using that you're not using now? Well, I keep going back to tillage, but um, mm -hmm. so there's some equipment you know that you can get into, maybe more of a strip till situation that I'm not I'm not set up for just yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, some growers around me are practicing that, and I'm watching, trying watch to watch closely us or mm -hmm. learning what I can, and uh, I think I think that's going to pay off. Callan Lee from St. Joe, preceded by Birch Pierce from Jonesville, two of the 13 U.S. cotton industry members who have been chosen for the National Cotton Council's 2019-2020 Emerging Leaders Program. I'm Don Molino, the voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. 
That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. As we mentioned earlier, you can always catch up with everything going on in our state at voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Daily Voice newsletter while you're there. Coming up next, it's time to go to the halls of government. We'll check in with Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. He'll talk about a lot of issues going on in Washington, D.C. Ralph Abraham is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As the old saying goes, close only counts in horseshoes. So why take the chance with weather information when it comes to critical decisions with your fields? It's time to experience pinpoint field-level forecasts that are 40% more accurate than the competition. Experience the DTN Ag Weather Station. With this level of information, you'll know exactly what's happening at any time in your actual fields. This allows you to plant, spray, and harvest with a new degree of precision. Head to DTN.com today to learn more. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest on Grassroots Government is Congressman Ralph Abraham. And Congressman, I wanted to talk a few farm issues with you if we can. You're here at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention visiting with a lot of farmers. Not exactly a great year in agriculture. Farmers have faced some tough times. But in Washington, we've had a few things going on that could help them. First, let's talk about the MFP program, round two. I know that you were not happy with the one that we had last fall based on harvested acres. This one is based on planted acres. Is that a little more to your liking? Well, certainly it is. We're making progress. Uh, We have written uh, letters to our great president, and they are listening. Uh, We certainly sent a letter earlier in this year. And a week later, we uh, got notice that there were going to be $16 billion of more MFP payments coming. So the needle is moving in the right direction. We, in my office, and certainly the Louisiana delegation, will continue to push and prod and uh, make this happen. We also had a disaster bill that finally made its way through the congressional process. Uh, Do you feel like that's a bill that could be of help to farmers in this tough year? Well, it could be. We've got to make sure that the money's spent, and, uh, you know, we'll watch that gate very closely because we know it's a lot of money, and when a lot of money's involved, you have to uh, be very careful where it goes. I saw a story recently that you had a visit with an Iraqi trade minister in your office. Tell me about that visit. What was it about and how did it go? It went very well. His name is Mohammed Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N. We were the only congressman that he met with. And we had a wonderful conversation about how good and important Louisiana rice was to Iraq. Meeting ended good. We're going to, I think, get another tender out of it, uh, hopefully sooner than later. So we'll see how that goes. But it was a good meeting. Trade issues, of course, are always on the front burner here over the last year or so. Um, The Chinese trade situation has actually been fairly quiet. Uh, Is anything happening there right now? In this situation, I think quiet is good because there is a lot of things going on under the radar. The president certainly wants to deal. China 
is going to have to have the deal because their economy is in a very bad place. I predict, and that's simply all it is, a prediction is that in the next two or three months, you're going to see some major movement in that field. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement is another big issue. Mexico actually approved that deal here a few days ago. What kind of momentum do we actually have in getting this through the Democrat-led House? It's tough right now. Us on the Republican side are pushing hard to bring the USMCA up for a vote. I truly believe that there are enough Democrats that would vote for it on the House side to allow passage. I think every Republican would certainly vote for it. I know I will because it is so important not only to national and global trade, but certainly to Louisiana. We export a lot of goods, agricultural goods, to both Mexico and Canada. I mean, come on. Uh, Mexico is our number one corn consumer. It's uh, number three in soybeans. This is an important deal, and we need to get it done. Well, Congressman, this is an election year. You yourself are on the campaign trail running for governor. How's the campaign going? If it was uh, any better, we couldn't stand it. We will uh, take this momentum that we have uh, acquired, and we are going to push through. We're going to win the election, and when we do, uh, we're going to take care of uh, all Louisianians, but Louisiana farmers, you know, they're near and dear because we are part of that family, and we understand what they do for our state. We have a big turnover coming in the legislature. How important is it that farmers and people with agricultural backgrounds, agribusiness professionals, step up and run for office like you have? It's critical because they know what it takes to try to make a dollar, but they also know how important it is to put that money back in the local economy, keep that money home, keep those goods flowing so that we thrive in Louisiana. Right now, Louisiana is not thriving, and we've got to, we've got to get better. You yourself have an agricultural background. You're a farm owner. You're a veterinarian. How has an ag background helped you uh, be a better legislator in Congress? Oh, it's it's just unparalleled. The, the knowledge base that farming, ranching has allowed me to bring to bear to the local, state, and certainly the federal level, I am well-respected on that level because, not of who I am, but because of what I've done in ag. So it's good. What would be your advice for a farmer who may be thinking about running for office? Look, jump in the deep end of the pool. We need him or her to get involved. Politics is often distasteful. It's often a tough, tough arena to be in. But if we don't get the good people, even the good young people, that are a little bit uh, wanting to just stay on the sidelines and just, again, provide for their family, I want, them in the, I want them in the races because I know with their background, with their upbringing, these are good people that bring a lot to the table. Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham, thanks so much, Doc. Thank you. You have a great day. Coming up next, we go in the field to check in with Ray Schneider. He farms in both Point Capie and West Baton Rouge parishes. Ray will give us an update on everything happening with his corn and soybeans. That's next in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We're going in the field to talk with Ray Schneider of Point Capee Parish. Ray, you know you farm with your brother Donald in both Point Capee and West Baton Rouge parishes. Uh, it has definitely been an interesting year to be in the farming business. Yeah, that's for sure, Gary. It's, uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, I guess it all started last fall when uh, most of our corn ground didn't get, you know, real good uh, chance to prepare it for this year for the bean crop. And uh, so we kind of started out behind the eight ball, I'd say. And from there, it just kind of snowballed on into this year. We did have our corn ground ready to plant and got it corn in on time. A little bit late, but it's uh, looking pretty fair. Um Got fertilizer on it, and it, it looks one, like one of the best crops we've had in a long time, but it, some of the ears are not filling uh, all the way, and uh, that's kind of a concern now in trying to see what's, uh, what might have caused that. But it's kind of talking with different people. It sounds like it's all over the state that uh, some of the corn's just not filling out as good as it has in the past, and... Uh, across different varieties and different fields so not sure what's going on with that but um, beans we ended up finally did get the groundwork down and uh, beans planted air later than they have been in the past but um, we were lucky I guess you'd say we didn't have to replant uh, hardly anything and uh, I think we had 20 acres but um Hearing what other people are going through, it, uh, I guess we were blessed to just have that much. And uh, but anyway, they're looking good now, and uh, I think it, the weather's going to be the big determining factor. If we get good weather from here on out, I think beans can kind of come back from a little setback or a late planting, and and still do a pretty fair crop if we don't have anything else. You know, any other abnormalities or whatever you want to call it come in and hit us but uh well ray how late were you getting both corn and beans in this year were you able to get them in uh, fairly on time or or did you have to push it back a ways well corn was about two weeks later than we normally finish and uh, but we did get it fertilized early because when we just saw that it was we were a little bit late we just went ahead and fertilized that planting and just put everything out there to start so we were actually finished fertilizing about norm, normal time. But then the bean crop, we uh, we have all different stages. We have beans that are right now anywhere from an inch tall to three feet tall. And normally we would have finished uh, about two to three weeks earlier uh, than we did. And uh, 
you know, it's just weather related, trying to get that ground, you know. We did no till some in the stale seed bed that left from last year where it wasn't rutted up, but we had a lot of fields that the combines tracked it up and we had to work them in the spring. And it, that was kind of the challenge of getting that, uh, <laughs> getting that work done and then getting a shower to bring it back together where you could plant. Ray, do you have any ground in the spillway? No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> I guess a good year not to be, but now it looks like the river's going down some, and, uh, you know, they may not have to open the locks after all. So I think that'll be good for everybody. But uh, the, the high river levels have been giving us trouble with some seepage, you know, and uh, just the water table. We had fields that just water running out the rows and that kind of stuff. So you, you had to kind of plant around uh, some of those wet spots, but um, uh, luckily able to get it all in. Well, how far are we out on corn harvest at this point, Ray? Uh, in the past couple of years, last year we started mid-July. I think it's going to be the end of July this year. It's going to be a little, a little further off than it was uh, just because of planting dates a couple of weeks later. You mentioned the ears not filling out like uh, they should be right now. Is this something you've ever seen before? Hadn't really noticed it as much as this year, and it's. Uh, I mean, I didn't wasn't the first to notice it. Our crop consultant was, and uh, he called in Doctor uh, Dan Fromney, who's a corn specialist with LSU, and he's saying it's looking like that all over the state. Actually, you know, um, and he's thinking it was this early wet weather. Uh, early on in the season that before v6 that uh probably is he's thinking is what the cause is but not you know it's hard to pinpoint corn is just a not forgiving crop look like any time within the growing cycle if it stresses at any time you're gonna lose some yield but you uh you know and there's no way to make it up so it's and, I mean, it's one of the most uniform crops we've had in probably the past five years, flying a drone over the fields. It it all tasseled uniform and just looked beautiful. There was a spurt in there, a growth spurt that it hit. It grew over three feet in, uh, in one week, seven days. So, I mean, it was just beautiful, dark color. Everything looked perfect. We had plenty of fertilizer. It never stressed for that, but... You know, something didn't didn't click right, and the ears are just not quite what they, what we were thinking they would be. Well, Ray, both weeds and insects love wet conditions. This seems to be a prime year for it. How have those two pests bothered you this year? Well, we did have to spray some corn for stink bugs, and I, I'm hearing there's a lot of beans being sprayed already for stink bugs, and uh, it's uh, I think that. They're going to be on the rebound because last this past winter wasn't that cold. Whereas two winters ago, we had a real cold snap and I think killed off a lot of the red banded stink bugs. Well, one of the biggest predators we had uh, in the past. And uh, it was a little relief last year not having to spray so much, but I think we're going to be back into that spraying pattern this year. Uh, it sounds like they, can, they recovered, I guess. Well, you mentioned corn harvest uh, about two weeks late this year. 
How about on soybean harvest? You've already said you've got such a staggered crop as far as the maturity is concerned. Are you going to be able to, to get in and get started when you need to, as soon as you need to this year? I think so. Beans, beans are more forgiving with planting dates. They don't really – they go more with the day length. and uh, So they're going to pretty much mature on time, I think. It may be a little shorter bean than would have been, but uh, I think they'll they'll – be pretty on much on time. Point Capi and West Baton Rouge Parish farmer Ray Schneider. It's now time to check the markets. We'll check in with Grayson Close of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Grayson Close with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association joined us. And Grayson, you and I are talking here on the Monday after the July 4th holiday week. Looks like things were a bit slow to get rolling here today in both the corn and soybean markets. What was going on there? Yeah, we saw a pretty good decline Friday uh, in both those markets, but today it's kind of leveled off and held steady from to kind of cut the losses uh, where we were from last into last week. Not a whole lot of fresh news to make anything go one way or another. Nothing on the political front as far as U.S.-China trade negotiations, and nothing, nothing else. Uh, no real extra news coming out as far as swine flu out of Asia as well. So those are things that we're watching right now. Weather pretty much a non-event. Uh, not catching any rains, which is good for the Midwest, uh, across portions of the belt where it's been really, really wet, uh, and they really need some warmer, drier weather to get things going up there. Grayson, I know we do have a USDA report coming out on Thursday. Um, any idea right now of what the trade's expecting in that report? Probably not a lot of change right now. The USDA is going to resurvey uh, producers as far as acreage intentions for 2019, but that probably won't be. Uh, realized until the August report. So uh, as far as the report Thursday, I don't see any big surprises at this point. Uh, and nobody else really does either, I don't believe. Uh, so it just kind of be a quiet non-event uh, this go around. Grayson, you know, we've had all of these weather happenings throughout the growing season with planting delays and all of that. However, you know, when you look at soybeans, we've just kind of been flopping back and forth around this $9 level uh, for the last couple of months now. 
What's it going to take to see a move either way in either direction uh, with this soybean crop and this soybean market right now? It's going to take something pretty drastic, in my opinion. Um, soybeans are are fairly well priced, maybe even overpriced for the current fundamentals of where we're at right now. We'd need to for them to move up. Obviously, we'd need to see a big reduction in acreage and yield to get the carryout levels down to a more to a more suitable level for nine fifty to nine seventy five or even ten dollar futures. Uh, and that's just not the case what we're looking at right now. Any kind of rain makes grain attitude that the trade sees uh, is gonna is gonna put pressure on the on the bean markets. Uh, and of course, if the USDA does come out in August and say that that more acres were planted uh, and they up their yield uh, to a trend line yield, then that's obviously going to put extra pressure on the soybean market. So those are things that we're going to we're going to watch for. Until then, I think we're going to chop sideways. And even if we don't see any of those big changes, even if USDA leaves things alone in August, I think we'll still chop sideways until until some of the combine reports start to roll in. Well, Grayson, we're getting well into July now, and of course, we usually start corn harvest at some point in the month of July. What are you hearing out there in the country from your customers about when some of this corn is going to be ready to come out of the field? Uh, there will be some early August, but I think the the, the majority of it is going to be late August, early September. Some folks were able to get some stuff in earlier on time, um, but the majority of the corn was, was later getting in the ground, so I think it's going to be a later crop this year. Grayson Close with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, Grayson. Thank you, Gary. What is on Jack Dillard's mind? Well, we'll find out next. It's Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex, next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural. You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811, brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Now here's Jack Dillard with this edition of Jack Dillard's Voice of the Arklatex. Hey, he's being cut and bailed across North Louisiana. This is Jack Dillard from the Arklatex. Here in our part of the state, we have some of our second cuttings of hay coming in very well. We have had so much moisture, so much mud, and it seems to go hand in hand. Fertilizer and egg line has been spread in some areas, still a lot getting stuck when they're getting out to get the work done. I should get some work done toward the next two or three days, but we've got a wet weekend coming, they tell us. Time to palpate our cows. Sell the open ones. I know it's hard to do. You could say, I'm the reason she didn't get bread. Don't make any difference. She's not going to have a calf for the next year. You're going to lose money on the rest of her life. Our local markets have had good prices. They've been steady to strong. 
in fact, our local markets now look better than they have in years. Just don't have much of a regional situation anymore. A lot of corn, beans, cotton planted, some late. Some will need a first frost in December, and we might have it this year. We might not. We usually get our first killing frost in this part of Louisiana, up in the north part, on the Thanksgiving holidays. Timber mills, taking lots of timber in, mostly pines. Lots of folks have eliminated the mosquito problem by use of a system called the Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. I'm not doing a commercial, but it works. We've used them two summers in a row. You can install them in 10 minutes or less. It destroys the pest for 90 days. It'll work over a territory of an acre. In other words, two treatments a year and pretty well take care of it. We quote a great deal from a man that I had great respect for, passed away now, Adrian Rogers, up in Memphis, Tennessee, preacher up there, and he says, God had much rather forgive than he had to judge. This is Jack Dillard from the Arklatex. Well, that'll do it for episode 34 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Tuesday, July 9th of 2019. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'd like you to do us a couple of favors, if you will. Number one, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Number two, leave us a review. If you like what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd like you to pass that on to other potential listeners. So we'd appreciate any positive reviews you can give us, especially on Apple Podcasts, since that's where the majority of people listen to podcasts. You'll help us find new listeners and, of course, let folks know that we're doing a good job. I'd really appreciate that. Also, don't forget, you can connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. At Voice of LA Ag. Follow us there. We, of course, post every single day all of the news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. We'll catch you next time right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.